0: Broken promises at the passport office. No one is taking responsibility for these delays and all the costs that are being incurred.
1: Families losing thousands. What the prime minister says about a system that seems unprepared for the demand.
2: Doug McCallum under fire. The mayor's public mischief case puts the police act under scrutiny. How one councillor is taking action.
1: And Stanley Park traffic jam.
3: Not being able to get into the park easily is so frustrating
4: for people
1: calls to cancel the pandemic bike lane after a long weekend bottleneck
4: You're watching Global BC
2: This is Global News Hour at 6 Good evening and thanks for joining us. We'll get to those stories in just a moment, but we have a lot of breaking news to report tonight, beginning with the latest developments in a mass shooting at an elementary school in Texas.
1: Officials now say at least 18 students and a teacher have been killed. The 18-year-old gunman is also dead. Global's Reggie Giacchini joins us live from our Washington, D.C. bureau tonight. Reggie, the details are still coming in, but know, uh, for the latest there.
5: Good evening, Sophie and Chris. Uh, What we know so far from law enforcement and from state officials is that this 18-year-old gunman, Salvador Ramos, uh, approached the school, this elementary school, uh, just west of San Antonio around the noon hour local time. The governor saying he was armed with a rifle and potentially with a handgun as well. But what they don't know right now is a motive. They're unclear of the steps that were taken in the moments leading up to this attack, but also unclear uh, if there's going to be any kind of social media activity that are going to be able to pinpoint them into a direction as you mentioned 18 students are now said to have been killed in this along with two adults there is also reports that he may have killed a family member as well this is now the second mass shooting in less than two weeks across the united states and texas governor greg abbott says his state is in mourning
6: bottom line is this however and, and that is when parents drop their kids off at school, they have every expectation to, be, to know that they're gonna be able to pick their child up when that school day ends. And there are families who are in mourning right now, and the state of Texas is in mourning with them for the reality that these parents are not gonna be able to pick up their children.
7: As a nation, we have to ask, when in God's name Are we going to stand up to the gun lobby when in God's name we do what we all know in our gut needs to be done? Well,
1: that's a pretty good question, President Biden, and maybe this one's going to seem rhetorical, Reggie. But is Washington actually able or willing to deal with gun control?
5: Well, I mean, look, Sophie, it's been 10 years or almost 10 years since the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting in Newton, Connecticut, when Vice President Biden at the time was tasked with trying to get gun control laws changed across this country. And here we are 10 years later and very little progress has been made. Democrats were on the floor of the U.S. Senate tonight pleading uh, with Republicans to do something to try and stop these tragedies from going forward. Republicans, including Texas State Senator, uh, Texas Senator rather, Ted Cruz, came out to say that. Democrats are simply trying to politicize this event, and that changing any kind of laws around guns are simply not going to stop this from happening so once again, Joe Biden finds himself in a position here of of, of finding lawmakers unwilling to be able to change gun laws in this country. But it is worth pointing out uh, that since January 1st here, Sophie, there have been more than 215 mass shootings. And this moment where we saw Joe Biden acting as consoler in chief, unfortunately, might not be his last.
1: Uh, might, I'm, I'm sure it won't be his last. Reggie, thank you for that.
2: Here at home, the Independent Investigations Office has been called out to a police-involved shooting in Surrey that sent a woman to hospital and a warning The report might be disturbing to some viewers. Aaron MacArthur is live in
8: Surrey with more on this. Aaron, what have you learned so far? Yeah, Chris, right around lunchtime, uh, RCMP were called to the corner of 104 A Avenue and King George Boulevard for an armed woman. Witnesses tell us she was armed with a large knife and we have security camera video that indicates that she was not complying with police requests to put down that weapon and it appeared the video appears to show that she was advancing towards an rcmp officer when shots were fired the independent investigations office is now on scene canvassing witnesses, talking to the officers that responded, looking for any sort of evidence to find out if this shooting was justified. This is the third police-involved shooting in Surrey since April 1st. The IIO says it has been an incredibly busy two months.
9: Since
10: April 1st, the start of this fiscal year, we've had seven shootings, five that have involved fatalities. Um, the last two uh, non-fatal at this point um, last year, in our entire 12 months of our fiscal year, we had eight shootings in total. Uh, the year before was six. So, right now, in a space of just under two months, we've almost matched our total from last year and we've surpassed the one from the uh, fiscal year previous.
8: Now, yeah, the woman from this afternoon was rushed to hospital with what police are calling serious injuries. There hasn't been an update on her condition since. Chris? All right, Aaron. Aaron MacArthur
2: reporting for us tonight. Thanks
1: and more breaking news this time on vancouver island an ongoing police incident has forced the shutdown of victoria international airport police from multiple detachments are at the airport at this hour in force responding to what's being called a suspicious package While police say there is no public safety concern, all commercial flights in and out of YYJ have been cancelled and people are being asked to stay away. We do know at least one flight, Air Canada Jazz 8489 from Calgary, has been diverted to Vancouver.
5: So the package in this instance was located at the departures check-in, so it was uh, brought in by uh, a passenger. Uh, which was seized. Uh, Kat's uh, employees uh, performed the checks that they normally do when you go into uh, a departure situation at the airport. Uh, they scanned the bag and uh, realized that there was uh, items inside that were of uh, um, could be of a dangerous nature. And at that point, police were called to the scene to come and investigate further.
1: Rumor was it that it was a replica gun, is that right?
5: That's incorrect. Uh, at, at this point, um, police uh, believe that There was an item that resembled an incendiary device within the bag. Um, So out of an abundance of caution, again, police uh, shut down the airport wing there to make sure that that was a safe uh, situation for people to travel in the future. Well, we have more
2: breaking news for you now. Surrey RCMP's Special Victims Unit has identified a suspect in an active sexual assault investigation.
1: Police are trying to locate 43-year-old Matthew Christopher Hamm. He's been identified as the suspect in a frightening break-and-enter and sexual assault early Saturday morning. According to police, a man broke into a home in the 12900 block of 101A Avenue and attacked a woman inside. If you see Matthew Ham, do not approach him. Instead, call 911 immediately.
2: It's a situation even the prime minister admits is frustrating. Long lineups and a confusing mishmash of rules for people trying to get an emergency passport. Now, as Krista Dow reports, another family is coming forward after having to shell out an extra $3,000 in travel costs because of delayed
0: passports. The girls got to see Snow White, that's my daughter's favourite.
11: Memories of a trip of a lifetime for the Venturis family. But the journey to get there is one they'd rather forget. It was incredibly frustrating.
0: I mean, we thought we could
11: rely on the government. Athanasia's two kids required passports and two and a half months out, she thought they were safe.
0: We had let our kids' passports expire through COVID um, and then we requested the new passports in February. And then we were told um, that the passports would come like Early April or sooner.
11: But the passports never arrived in time, and so the family was forced to change their plans, an additional cost of $3,000. It was
0: incredibly stressful. Like our daughter was in tears, thinking we might not go. We made a decision to change our flight instead of canceling it um, to leave out of Seattle because kids don't need passports uh, to fly within the U.S. Yeah, they are waiting because they don't have a permit.
11: Their story isn't unique long waits, lengthy delays, and even overnight camping a common theme outside passport offices.
7: This is the worst form of bureaucracy I've ever seen. Like, horrible. Really, really bad. needs to be shut down. Pretty tired, man. Just wake up in the morning,
12: 4.30, make a lean up.
0: The government should know better. When, especially when they opened up air travel, they should have been prepared.
11: In response, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau says his government is taking action to clear the backlog. Since December, they've hired 500 new passport officers and are issuing 43,000 passports every week.
13: The reality is a lot of people went two years not traveling uh, and didn't renew their passports because there was no uh, no expectation that they'd be uh, traveling at that time, and there's a bit of a rush now that we're, we're we're dealing with as best we possibly can. Just trying to get our money back.
11: As for Athanasia, she wants to be compensated really for the money. extra costs incurred yeah, because of delays.
0: I think it's pretty simple. There's a lot of people that, that are in the same boat, so... I think it would be the right thing to do. Krista
1: Dow, Global News. Well, calls are growing louder for Mayor Doug McCallum to step down as chair of the Surrey Police Board, following new details about what led to the charges of public mischief against him. On Monday, we reported that sources have told Global News he was asked to step down by the board, but refused. And as Catherine Urquhart reports, at least one councillor is now taking action.
14: Surrey Mayor Doug McCallum remains chair of the Surrey Police Service Board, despite being charged with public mischief. Sources have told Global News he refuses to step down, even though the board asked him to do so. Under the Police Act, there is no mechanism to remove him.
9: I would simply say that's a relationship and a conversation between The mayor, his council, in this case, the police board, if they're asking for it, and future voters.
14: The Office of the Police Complaint Commissioner is now involved in the controversy as a service of policy complaint has been filed by Councillor Brenda Locke. I did have a brief chat with them prior to filing the complaint. And so they they will
0: be reviewing the legislation to see um, how they can, or if they can,
14: actually deal with it through their process. In September, McCallum told police he had been hit by a car, but three months later, he was charged with public mischief. Information to obtain documents unsealed Friday following a Global News Court challenge state, McCallum provided a version of events that has been partially disproved, based on the statement provided by the driver and video surveillance obtained from Save on Foods. A recent review of the Police Act makes recommendations aimed at preventing similar conflicts.
10: We made the recommendation that the mayor could not be the chair of the police board.
14: Debbie Johnstone, the woman Doug McCallum claimed ran over his foot, was interviewed by police and at the time was informed she was under investigation for assault with a weapon and criminal harassment. She told Global News... I am the victim that Mr. McCallum falsely accused September 4th. I remain steadfast in my original statement of innocence, and I'm unable to comment further at this time. Surrey's mayor is scheduled to be tried on the criminal charge October 31st. Katherine Urquhart, Global News.
2: The Vancouver Police Department is hoping a new image of a suspect in a cruel bear spray attack in Chinatown will lead to an arrest. Investigators are releasing this image of the suspect they believe was taken just moments before the attack on Friday. An 87-year-old man was out for a walk when he was approached by a stranger who made racist comments, then bear-sprayed him in the face. The suspect then took off. Anyone who has information about the attack or recognizes the person in this image is asked to call Vancouver Police.
1: Well, this past long weekend is focusing more attention on the Vancouver Park Board's decision to close one lane of Stanley Park to vehicle traffic in favor of a bike lane. As Grace Key reports, a traffic jam heading into the park has some calling for an early end to the experiment.
15: It looks like a lot of people had the same idea over the beautiful Victoria Day long weekend. Head to Stanley Park. On Georgia Street, the two lanes going into the North Shore moving, but it's the one going into Stanley Park that's at a standstill. With the bike lane taking up a lane of traffic, it's been a challenge for cars and the horse-drawn carriage tours. You can see what it's like on a slow weekday. A few managed to cut through a parking lot just to get around the carriage. But this driver missed the turn. The operator describes what
16: it was like over the busy long weekend. Traffic was uh, extremely busy. I understand it was backed up right out of the park. Um, it is.
14: Uh,
16: it affects me um, by especially at the exit of the park because. Um, the traffic can't go back out either. It's just so we get backed up and my tour gets stopped. So it really affects my tour that way.
15: Since the pandemic hit, this will be the first summer where cruise ships are back in Vancouver waters and tourists are hopefully back in full swing, exploring Stanley Park with the bike lanes. Critics say the traffic chaos over the long weekend is just a sign of things to come.
3: The lane closure in Stanley Park has been a complete failure. It worked for a little while when we have the COVID restrictions, but to keep it restricted when COVID is no longer an issue for traveling in the park is unbelievably harsh to the people that just want to get in the park.
15: The bicycle lanes have always been a political hot button and divisive issue, even with those who use them.
9: It feels like I'm in a park that was designed to be seen by bicycles, and that's good.
13: To lose road space for vehicles is just... Not practical
3: to me. It's a waste of, we don't need two lanes for bikes.
15: With summer holidays just a few weeks away, we'll have to wait and see if this was just a one-off or if the chaos is here to stay. Grace Key, Global News
2: welcoming warrior athletes major developments in planning for the invictus games and how organizers will pay for the event in 2025 that's next on the news hour
1: the mystery of the royal bc museum rebuild the province prepares to justify a nearly billion dollar project later
2: and Timbit, the seal pup gets nursed back to health that story coming up later as well
1: Right now though, a major funding announcement today for the Invictus Games when they come to Vancouver and Whistler in 2025.
2: Kylie Stanton has the details and how the BC Games will be different in many ways from the competitions we've seen until now.
1: Every
3: athlete here has been tested and challenged in ways many can't even begin to imagine. I was first responder
17: in a gruesome event. Where two of my
3: comrades were killed and three were badly injured. But the one thing they have in common is their fighting spirit.
13: Last one. Good
7: job. Good job.
3: And in 2025, they'll have the chance to showcase that to the world.
13: I am Invictus.
3: This time at home.
16: Ladies and gentlemen, Invictus is heading back to North America.
3: For the first time, the Invictus Games will incorporate winter adaptive sports, bringing together 550 competitors from 22 nations.
16: Competitors will be tested in new ways, and spectators will get to see a whole new range of what they can do. Though we all
13: know that when it comes to winter sports, our Canadian competitors will show them how it's done.
3: The federal government announcing Tuesday $15 million to support the event, along with another $1 million for the program Soldier On to help train and equip Team Canada. Funding the province has committed to matching.
9: It's not just about the winning, it's not just about the participating, it's about the support that all of us give to each other each and every day that's represented by this initiative.
3: A big part of that will be honoring Indigenous veterans and their history while working closely with the three host nations to ensure all protocols are respected.
16: Sport brought us together in 2010 and built now to where we are today.
3: The Indigenous nations are leading this through along with our veterans, showing that sport has the power to heal. These athletes are a testament to that. Time and therapy worked, but sports are what helped me the most. And soon enough, British Columbians will get to see for themselves. I promise that you won't be
1: disappointed. It will blow your mind. Kelly Stanton, Global News.
12: Thank you. Merci.
1: Just ahead, signs of recovery in Kharkiv. How residents of the one-time city under siege are adjusting to their new normal.
2: Also tonight, a woman with terminal cancer comes up with the perfect way to enjoy the time she has left.
1: Canada is sending another round of military aid to help on the battlefield in Ukraine. Canada has purchased over 20,000 rounds
11: of 155 millimeter artillery, which is NATO's standard artillery caliber. This package will also include fuses and charge bags at a cost of up to
1: $98 million. Defense Minister Anita Anand says Canada has trained Ukrainian forces on how to use these guns. She says Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine cannot be allowed to succeed. Anand says teams continue to work around the clock and to send aid to forces on the ground.
2: The city of Kharkiv was one of the first regions to be attacked in the early hours of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. The nation's second largest city sits right on Russia's doorstep, and for a few weeks it appeared to be on the brink of falling to the Russians.
1: But two months later, the city now stands as a testament to Ukrainian resilience. Global's Jeff Semple reports from Kharkiv.
6: The last time we were here in Kharkiv, Ukraine's second largest city, people families were living down here in the subway stations, and that's because there was constant shelling above, some of their homes had been destroyed, so they came down here for weeks seeking shelter. Well, two months later, as you can see, it is a much different picture today. Starting Tuesday, Kharkiv's subway system is now back open, and as you can see, commuters have returned, heading back to work and to visit their families on the train. The mayor was also here for the big unveiling, talking about the importance of returning this city to some semblance of normal life. A pretty remarkable feat when you consider where the city was just weeks ago. The system is back open. 1,500 transit employees are back to work. All but six trains are also back in service. Those six were destroyed in Russian attacks. So, too, was one of the subway stations that is not reopening today. And this reopening is happening despite warnings from Ukraine's central government at a national level, which worries that this move is premature and potentially dangerous. This city sits just 40 kilometers from the Russian border on Ukraine's northeast, and while Russian forces have been pushed back almost to the border, the city remains well in range of Russian missiles and Russian rockets, and villages to the north of Kharkiv are still continuously shelled on an almost daily basis. But if nothing else, this reopening, yet another testament to that Ukrainian defiance, resolve and resilience that has now become famous around the world. Jeff Semple, Global News in Kharkiv, Ukraine. It is impressive. Still ahead, healing in Kamloops.
13: Those who are still filled with hurt and anger, I hear that
2: as well. The first anniversary of a devastating discovery for residential school survivors in Kamloops and what happens next.
1: Also ahead former Headley frontman Jacob Hoggard testifies in his own defense at his rape trial.
18: Steady in both directions over here tonight at the Alex Fraser Bridge with just a little leftover traffic eastbound on the connector between Knight and the S-curve. Through a new charitable partnership between Kermat Cares for Kids and Surrey Memorial Hospital, when you choose Kermac Collision and Autoglass, you also support the Surrey Memorial Children's Health Center. I'm Tristia Wilson in Global One at the Alex Fraser Bridge.
1: Well, after facing widespread criticism for his trip to Tofino on the very first National Day for Truth and Reconciliation back in September, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau was in Kamloops Monday for the Kamloops to Shwetmuck Memorial for the missing.
2: The response to the prime minister was mixed and a warning some people might find this story triggering. Our Nitu Garcha joins us with more. And Nitu Trudeau shared some hugs with some, but others weren't as friendly.
18: Chris, the Prime Minister entered the powwow arbor behind me to chants of, we don't need your constitution, and cries of, you are not welcome here. And while he said this visit was about listening and talking about how to move forward together, some are saying his commitments haven't gone far enough. Canada is all in land. For many, the Prime Minister's arrival here Monday was a surprise. I He came to a day-long memorial event marking one year since more than 200 unmarked burials were found near the former Kamloops Indian Residential School around 4.30 p.m. to a mixed reaction. There were many supporters, but others didn't want him there.
13: Those who are still filled with hurt and anger, I hear that as well. I know that is real, and I know we have a lot of work together to do.
1: This is about our elders and our survivors and that healing journey. This is what is, has impacted them. They're the ones who've been impacted. And this is why Justin Trudeau, our Prime Minister, is here today.
18: Prime Minister Trudeau fell short of making any concrete commitments, a sign of his honest intent to focus on survivors, say some. But to leaders like Grand Chief Stuart Phillip, who wants more action on releasing school attendance records and funding for more ground-penetrating radar searches, it was a performative approach.
10: There needs to be... a uh a significant investment in this work. And, uh, you know, we expect
0: the prime minister to acknowledge that and understand that. I heard some of the survivors saying that, like, what did he really say? Uh, was this just a photo op?
18: Trudeau also addressed the anger. That's totally totally
13: legitimate. My God, uh, what so many people have been through uh, in terms of layers of trauma that they've gone through. If if it makes anyone feel a little bit better to shout at me, then please, they should. Yes.
18: Cook P. Roseanne Casimir focusing on the importance of moving beyond blame and working together, something forward. Amanda Big Sorrel Horse agrees with.
1: I appreciate what he did say, and hopefully that he will have support to move forward in a more positive and impactful way for all of us. Not just us as Indigenous and Native people, but for all Canadians. This
14: is Canadian history.
18: This marks Trudeau's second visit to this community. The last one was in October, when he came here to apologize for vacationing in Tofino instead of coming here for the country's first National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. This time, he vowed to be there to support communities like this one in whatever path they decide is right for them moving forward. Chris?
2: Nitu Garce in Kamloops <laughs> for us. Thanks, Nitu. And we understand these stories can be triggering for some of our viewers and there is support available for survivors and their families. The number is on your screen toll free. It operates 24 hours a day and you can speak in confidence at 1-800-721-0066.
1: Well, after a week of secrecy, the province is finally set to reveal its business case for the Royal BC Museum project. The rebuild has come under fire since it was announced earlier this month, with the official opposition calling it a billion-dollar vanity project. Richard Zussman has more.
16: There have been a lot of questions and some mystery around how the province got to $789 million to build a brand-new Royal BC Museum and the announcement that the province had to close this museum later on this year in September and keep it closed until a new museum was erected in 2030. Well, those answers will come on Wednesday. Tourism Minister Melanie Mark will be releasing the business plan for the museum, outlining what information government has that led to the decisions it made. It will also show what the costs would be to only seismically upgrade the museum and not replace it. Business leaders in Victoria have been concerned about the length of time of the closure and the fact that there is no real anchor alternative if the museum is in fact closed for more than seven years. We've asked the question about the possibility of the museum itself being built on the empty space next to the museum where there's a big parking lot and some other properties. Potentially, could they not build on that site and keep the other one open in the interim? But again, within the business case, we'll probably find out why that can't happen. The B.C. Liberals have been putting pressure on the government for over a week here, saying that if they are elected in 2024, they would cancel the new museum project and are saying the government should do the same now. The Cabinet, led by Premier John Horgan, will be debating this issue Wednesday morning before presenting that business case to the public. Richard Sussman, Global News, Victoria.
2: Jacob Hogger, the frontman for Canadian rock group Headley, testified in his own defense today at his sexual assault trial. And some of what court heard might be disturbing to
4: viewers. Global's Sean O'Shea has the details. Until now, the former lead singer for the pop band Headley has been listening as two complainants allege he sexually assaulted them in Toronto area hotels six years ago. This morning, the 37-year-old singer testified in his own defense. Jacob Hogard doesn't deny he had sex with a 16-year-old at the Sheridan Gateway Hotel at Pearson Airport. At issue is consent. Did you rape her? Asked defense lawyer Megan Savard. No, testified Hogard. Did you know her before she turned 16? Yes, he said. Did you touch her before she turned 16? Hogard said no. Hogard is also charged with sexual interference. Allegations he went too far with the teen when she was 15. First met 12. Hogard said under cross-examination, he swapped nude photos with the girl. She was someone you wanted to have sex with, asked the Crown prosecutor. Hogarth admitted he did, at some point, admitting he sent the underage girl a video of himself performing a sex act. Hogarth is also charged with sexually assaulting a second woman in his preferred suite, room 307 at the Thompson Hotel in downtown Toronto. But Hogard denied forcing the woman to have sex with him. The defense lawyer, did you ever hear her say no? Hogard, not once. The Headley singer admitted he had one-night stands with a long list of women when he was touring up to 2016. He admitted he likes rough sex. He also admitted he used degrading language with women in bed and testified that was part of what he enjoyed. In much of his testimony, Hogart either couldn't remember or wasn't sure about the details of those sexual encounters, though, especially when it came to the complainant who just turned 16. Hogarth testified the women accusing him all agreed to participate, something the jury will have to determine when they eventually decide the case. Sean O'Shea, Global News.
1: Well, parents of toddlers and babies in this country wait for word on when their children vaccinated against COVID-19. It is becoming more of a reality south of the border. Pfizer says three doses of its shot for children six months to five years old was 80 percent effective at preventing illness during the Omicron wave. That's according to preliminary clinical trial results. Later this week, Pfizer plans to present its data to U.S. regulators. The FDA announced its Committee of Independent Experts will review Pfizer's and Moderna's applications to authorize their vaccines for infants through preschoolers
12: on June 15th.
2: Coming up, what might be the best way to say goodbye?
12: The only thing you take with you, it's the messages.
2: A woman with terminal cancer celebrates with what she calls an ashes shower.
1: But first, there is going to be a wildfire season. What you can do to lessen your risk next.
2: With the arrival of warmer weather, homeowners are being urged to take precautions to make sure their properties are prepared for wildfire season.
1: Firesmart BC says simple tasks like regularly mowing and watering the lawn, keeping gutters clear of debris, and safely storing combustibles can go a long way to increasing your home's ability to survive a forest fire. The experience of Logan Lake, Canada's first Firesmart community, shows those mitigation efforts do work. Last summer, the town was surrounded by fires and needed to be evacuated. But thanks in part to all the preparation work, not a single building was lost.
3: It's really hard to tell what wildfire season is going to be like, but what we do know for sure is that there will be wildfire. We live in a fire-prone ecosystem. No matter where you are in British Columbia, you will be impacted by wildfire at some point. So it just makes sense to take the easy steps now versus wait until fire's at your doorstep.
1: A free how-to manual for fireproofing your home and property is available on the FireSmart BC webpage.
2: More incentive to get out there and mow the lawn. I would say. What a beautiful long weekend we had. It was terrific. Thank you very much for that, Christy. Uh, Bit of a dip from here out, though.
19: Yeah, which is not a bad thing. As we head over the next little while, we would like the temperatures to only warm up slowly. We don't want a drastic change because that would, of course, uh, cause well, the potential for wildfires, but also uh, the uh, f- uh, freshet season. We certainly don't want that to be kicked off. Here's a quick look. We did hit 25 degrees in the interior this weekend. Uh, that's not going to be the case over the next few days. We've got several low-pressure centres that are going to impact the region. For the south coast, just a chance of showers overnight. Tomorrow morning, bulk of the moisture will be across the central and north coast. Instability across the central and northern regions as well, meaning pockets of showers and a risk of thunderstorms. Most of Southern BC will be enjoying sunshine by the afternoon, though. Temperatures tomorrow will be near or just slightly above seasonal, but as we head into our Thursday and Friday, temperatures will begin to drop. So enjoy those breaks of blue sky tomorrow afternoon. They won't be widespread across the south coast, but at least some sunshine. Thursday, though, will be wet, especially by the afternoon hours into our Friday morning. So far, some uncertainty around our weekend. So tune back in for more details on that. And I'll leave you with tonight's central windows, weather window, coming to you from the Sunshine Coast area, Powell River. This is Confederation Lake. Sarah was hiking there over the weekend as she enjoyed the gorgeous conditions this weekend. And that is a great shot. Thanks, Sarah, for that one.
2: Crystal clear water. Beautiful. Thanks very much, Christy. Well, the Marine Mammal Rescue Center at the Vancouver Aquarium has rescued its first patient of the 2022 pupping season.
1: Take a look, this newborn harbor seal pup is now called Timbit. The little guy was found at Blackie spit in South Surrey. The rescue team quickly determined Timbit was weak and needed help. He's now being tube-fed five times a day, and when he's better, he'll be released back into the wild. Harbor seal mums often leave their pups on the beach to rest at this time of year while they look for food. If you see one, the best thing you can do is stay well back and keep an eye out for the pup, or keep an eye on the pup, rather. And if you think the animal needs help, you can call the Marine Mammal Rescue Center. The number is 604-258-7325.
2: Doesn't get much cuter in the animal kingdom. No, not at all.
1: All right, uh, Squire is here now, and uh, things not looking good for the CFL season so far.
7: Well, they uh, started the strike, then they had an agreement, then the players didn't like the agreement, but they are working while the owners and players union tries to work on an agreement that was better than the one the players voted against. Anyway, the training camps are going on right now.
17: We're gonna do what we do, and um, as long as there's players here to coach, we'll coach them.
7: Well, how long will the players be in Kamloops? is yet to be seen. That uh, new offer was given by the owners today. The lasso is rejected by a player's vote, of course.
2: All right, thanks for that, Squire. Also tonight, she might have terminal cancer, but that is not stopping her from having a good time. The meaning behind her ashes shower coming up later.
1: All right, Squire's here now. What's going on, Squire?
7: Well, um, after voting no on a tentative deal between the players' union and the CFL owners, the league has come back with a new proposal. They did that today, but they would like an answer on it by Thursday. While the union looks at this offer, the players themselves are going along with training camps until further notice. The BC Lions themselves, we know they're up in Kamloops. They have a possible, I would have to say possible right now, exhibition game Saturday in Calgary.
9: There's the current song and dance of navigating through the ongoing labour dispute, and then there's the business of preparing for an upcoming season that's rapidly approaching for the BC Lions.
17: So far after the players have come back, it's been what I would call normal. I give the players credit from a standpoint and the coaches of, um, I guess, being able to separate the two. So actually our meetings and practices have been uh, have been normal. Um, even with all the other stuff going on so far.
9: It hasn't been an ideal start to training camp with Hillside Stadium and Kamloops void of coaches and any formal practicing for four full days due to the player strike. Everybody's doing their best to make up for lost time, but for a football club that went five and nine a year ago and is wanting to make a strong statement to start the season, time is
17: becoming a precious commodity. So we were going to have a scrimmage last weekend. We didn't do that because we're trying to make up practice time um, when we go to Calgary for the preseason game, it's going to definitely be a split squad scenario where we're going to leave a whole group of people behind so that we can make up some practices back here in Kamloops. While the, you know, a, largely a newer group of guys is going to go to Calgary so that we can evaluate them and make sure we don't miss out on good football players.
9: The Lions believe that they're a better football team this year because a season ago they had numerous first year players starting in key positions, which led to inconsistent play. They've also brought in a handful of key veterans like defensive back Luchez. Do you need to pressure the quarterback more this year?
17: Yeah, we need to do it through blitzing and through just a four-man pass rush. So the best world to live in um, as a defense is where you can get pressure on the quarterback without having to blitz all the time so you can... Play coverage in the back end and get pressure with four guys is a great world to live in. And um, we've tr- acquired some new D linemen and we have more depth. We want to get into where we can rotate a group of seven or eight guys so that they're fresh throughout the game. And um, I think that'll help us.
7: The Vancouver Whitecaps haven't won much in Major League Soccer this year, but they are still in the Canadian Soccer Championship. And tomorrow they'll be in Calgary to play uh, Cavalry FC. It's a quarterfinal game. Vancouver is coming off a 2-1 loss on Sunday against Charlotte in league play. That's when the Whitecaps had to put out a makeshift lineup because of injuries and COVID. And with an MLS game for Vancouver Saturday against Sporting Kansas City, how will Vanny Sartini handle his roster this week?
9: We're going to make a lot of changes uh, between Wednesday and Saturday because, uh, and also on the guys. The lineup that I made Saturday, Sunday, last Sunday, was because, of course, of the all the COVID and hardship that we have, but also having in mind uh, the lineup that I wanted to do tomorrow and the lineup that I wanted to do, that I'm going to do on, 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 on Saturday. So there will be uh, some changes. Luckily, I hope, and I think, that we're going to recover some guys that are out. So, you will see I don't know, probably 16, 17, 18 players uh, as a start in between the two games.
7: Denis Shapovalov at the French Open against Holger Rune, who's an up-and-coming young player. In fact, he won the uh, Junior French Open in 2019. And Shapovalov was not on his game today at all. 53 unforced errors. And because of that, he didn't last very long. Three sets and he's gone from Paris. Rune upsets number 14 Dennis Shapovalov. Uh, Canada against France at the World Hockey Championship today. Nice goal here by Eric O'Dell, who's played a lot in Russia. Makes the moves, Canada breaks a two-game losing streak. They'll play Sweden in the quarterfinals on Thursday. And Rangers tonight trying to even the series against Carolina. Well, Max Domi was kind of falling down, even though he takes this one in the side of the head. Don't think you can really call this a true headshot by Jacob Truba. Power play for the Rangers, first period. Carolina, great at home, not so great on the road. You can say pretty much the same thing against New York, or with, about New York, I should say. Frank Vetrano scoring there to make it 1-0. And then another power play goal is Adam Fox gets down low and tips one in, and the Rangers win this 4-1, so they have even the series, uh, 2-2. BC's Nick Taylor and Roger Sloan have both qualified. for. U.S. Open golf tournament. Adam Hadwin will be a first alternate, so if someone can't play, he gets in. Sloan made it by getting through a six-man playoff at the end of a 36-hole qualifying event, and the U.S. Open begins on June
2: 16th.
1: All right. Thanks, Squire.
2: Already a score in the Battle of Alberta. I'll let uh, Squire tell us about it later. Also tonight, a celebration of life for a woman with terminal cancer and why she was there to enjoy it, too.
1: And Drew is here with a look ahead to Global News at 11 tonight. And Thanks,
3: Sophie. We will have the latest on the deadly shooting in rural Texas at an elementary school where police say a gunman has killed at least 18 children and a teacher. And here at home, a man in his 30s has drowned in an Nanaimo Lake. According to police, the man went for a swim in Long Lake. Sometime after 6 p.m. on Sunday, police were notified when he didn't return by the next morning. Search crews recovered his body in the area of the lake where he was last seen. Those stories and more when you join us at 11 o'clock tonight. Chris, Sophie.
1: All right, thanks for that, Anne.
2: When you think of a celebration shower, it usually is for a bride or maybe for an, a baby. But a White Rock woman with terminal cancer threw herself what she calls an ashes shower.
1: It was a chance for her to be with friends and family and celebrate her life while she could still be there. Jada Durant caught up with her on This Is BC. Oh, uh, yeah,
12: your old bones. Come here, baby.
10: Come. Thirteen years ago, Eva Hompoth got Lola as a therapy dog during her treatment for breast cancer.
12: She had been there for thick and thin.
10: Last thing. year, her cancer came back and has now spread.
12: It's in my bones. It's in my lymph nodes. It's under my arm. It's on my shoulder, neck. So it's all over. Come on, Lola.
10: Emma doesn't awesome. know how much time she has left, but she knows she will make the most of it. Awesome. And that's when she came up with the idea for something completely different, something she calls an ashes shower.
12: It was not... The thought that, oh, my God, I'm dying and poor me or something. No, it's, it's just let's get together and let's, let's celebrate. I give it to them. and
10: they At the center was a box for everyone to write messages of I love and support.
12: Your strength is an inspiration to, to us all. Ever, forever, love you always, Vicky. The only thing you take with you, it's the messages and the people and the experiences, nothing else. This is mine, the finished product. She
10: looked online to find the exact size needed to hold her remains before her ashes are scattered into the ocean. The research was the hard part. The rest was easy. Where did you find the box?
12: I went to Michael's.
10: This past weekend, her friend organized a planting party in Eva's garden. It was another day shared with someone who's showing so much spirit.
12: They said, it's it's a transition. It's like I'm going in another stage. It's like, you know, you are a toddler, you are a teenager, you are a grown up, old, and yeah, and after you are dead.
10: (laughs) Eva has told people she will come back as a hummingbird. Just a few weeks ago, she got her first tattoo.
12: They are so tiny and so strong.
10: A few months ago, she got a scooter to get around. Some days the pain is too much, but when she can, she's out enjoying a nice day and walking Lola just like she always has. Live
12: your life. You know, enjoy this moment. If I can inspire someone and if I can take away that fear of dying, my job is done. Jay Durant. Mm -hmm. Who is my good girl?
10: Mm -hmm. Global News.
1: And if you know someone who has a great story to tell, you can email your ideas to Jay at thisisbc at globalnews.ca. Mm-hmm. Great idea to have that shower.
2: Sure is. Uh, okay, looking way ahead to the weekend, maybe a return to sunshine, but mm-hmm. until then, a little unsettled, right, Christy?
19: A little unsettled. I am actually hoping for some breaks of blue sky tomorrow afternoon, though, Chris. So tomorrow's not a bad day, certainly, Uh, but we are certainly expecting a chance of showers overnight and into tomorrow morning. Uh, Thursday's, though, the day that is certainly going to be wet.
2: All right. Thanks very much, Christy. And thanks, everyone, for watching. Have a great evening.
19: Good night, all.